You heard me say it, and I believe it wholeheartedly, that if you lead with identity, everything else will follow. But I've had the experience in my work of coming in contact with individuals who want what follows, but aren't willing to lead with identity. It used to bother me and I could not figure out why they did not want to lead with identity. Then it dawned on me that people think that doing identity work means that you're broken. When in fact, it has nothing to do with brokenness and it's not an attempt to fix you. Identity work is about coming in alignment with who you are and not fixing, but honoring who you are and building a brand that is most authentic to who you are. So if you're ready to leave with identity and become a supernormal superstar, visit YourSupernormal.com right now and let's do the work. Spirit, uh, energy has memory. It's going to remember. But there's no trauma attached to it because trauma is actually an emotional response to a memory. So God's capacity to love is not limited to experiences. In fact, <laughs> in fact, God can superimpose and supersede the experiences that we have, the traumas that we've experienced. Again, I'll say it, that uh, uh, that trauma is our response, our emotional response to memories. But God, and I'm, I'm emphasizing this word God right now, God has the ability, God has the ability to supersede and to repair the memory. That's why I wore the shirt tonight. That's why I remind us all the time that at the root of who we are is God. Uh, I say that who you are will inform you. Uh, Elliot says your divine intelligence will inform you. But what I'm trying to get to you is that if we can allow the root of who we are, if we can allow our root to reframe to reframe our memories, then we can move beyond them. But the reason why we don't move beyond them is because we're too stuck in that space of expecting freedom to show up as a convenient feeling. Many people define stagnation as not producing or being at a standstill. I get it. However, I would like to add a little weight to the definition and say that I may be producing. I may be moving. However, my production and my movements are disrespectful to the purpose that's inside of me to the greatness that's inside of me. If that's going on, that's stagnation as well. And that's okay. Guess why? Because I have developed a tool. I wrote a book called From Stagnation to Transformation. And that book was written specifically for individuals that feel stuck, 
that feel lost, that feel like they're just wandering in the wilderness, that feel like they just, I need something is just missing. It's okay. I want you to head over to www.cliftonpettyjohn.com forward slash transformation. There you're going to find a complimentary portion of the book. That's right. A complimentary portion of the book. I want you to read that portion. After that, it's going to ignite such a fire inside of you that you're going to want to purchase the co- your personal copy of From Stagnation to Transformation. So I want you to do that as well. Why? Because I believe that it'll give you a 21 day jump start to fulfilling or re-identifying purpose in whatever core area you find yourself stagnant in. So again, visit www.cliftonpettyjohn.com forward slash transformation. What's up, everybody? You are listening to the What Now podcast, where we discuss ways of effectively addressing life's most difficult moments. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the What Now podcast. That's right. The What Now podcast, where we discuss effective ways of facing life's most defining moments. Yes, we've graduated from looking at classifying and identifying those moments as difficult moments to an understanding of an awareness of a reality of these moments are defining, not difficult. And the reason why we now call them defining moments is because we have the right, the authority, and we are taking the responsibility to define those moments and not allow ourselves to be defined by moments. Why? Because we are too great, too awesome, too amazing, too wonderful, too broad to be defined by one, two, three, and to the four. Now, four, five, six, however many moments we have sometimes subjected our definition to. So let's do our breathing exercises. Let's breathe in. Hold it. Breathe out. One more time. Breathe in. Hold it. Breathe out. If you were able to complete that exercise with us, that means a couple of things. First, it means there's breath remaining in your body. Therefore, purpose remains. And second, here's what happened. You have gathered your energy that you have focused on your past in the energy that you have dedicated to your future and you have merged it with the energy of the now. And now you are able to take all of that energy and focus on the now so that we can now create a now that produces a future connected to our purpose. So we have a special edition of the What Now podcast on tonight. A few days back, I sat down at the Transformation Center with the leader of the Reform. Now, if you don't know anything about the Transformation Center nor the Reform, they are faith-based communities, and I'm going to put that information below. I sat down with the leader of the Reform, Michael Weston, and we had a conversation about freedom. And the subject of the conversation was freedom over feeling. And I felt like this conversation was so powerful that it needed to be heard 
beyond the walls, per se, of the Transformation Center. So I have utilized this or I have implemented this as a bonus episode of the What Now podcast. So I want you to sit back, relax, open yourself to receive freedom in a manner you may have never received it before. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Transformation Center. That's right, the Transformation Center, where we help you unlock that inner more than meets the eye. My name is Clifton Pettyjohn. I'm the leader here at the Transformation Center. And tonight, I'm excited to introduce to each and every one of you our guest exponent. August 27th, 2017. I received a reminder through Michael Weston. And the title of that reminder was, Don't Sleep on Where You Are. Now, I was in a, in a very transitional moment in my life. It was so transitional that I had made up my mind I wasn't going back to church. And there were aspects of ministry that I just was not going to do anymore. That message pulled me back and gathered me. And I remember getting off of the live and calling my friends and telling them, I found my pastor. And you don't like that word. I found my pastor. And keep in mind, I didn't know Michael. <laughs> I didn't even have a conversation with Michael at all. You know, I had, had never had a conversation with him. But every time the reform went live, I was there. I was there. I, I'd get off, have conversations with my friends about the reminders that were going on at the, the reform. And I, I listen, I didn't have to hype the reform up. That was the that was another uh, blessing about the reform. It still is a blessing about the reform. You don't have to hype the reform up. If somebody just shows up one time, they understand the reality of it. They understand the reality of your excitement. They understand the reality of your growth. They understand the reality of, you know, you, you manifesting because they experience it for themselves. So I'm attending, I'm excited. You know, I done, I done found my community. I done found my faith community. And then he relocates. And I'm like, wait a minute, because I found out when he relocated, we weren't going to be gathering on a regular basis. So I remember one of my friends said, so what are you going to do now? And I said, well, what do you mean, what am I going to do now? And they were like, are you going to go back to church? Uh, no, I'm going to wait for my pastor to start the reform back up. And that's where you will find me. Fast forward, we still haven't had a conversation. We had like one mini conversation because I was having a retreat and I invited him to be a speaker at the retreat. But that was it. That was like that many conversation, I believe. And yeah, I never had a conversation with him. Fast forward, he starts to reform back up, back up again. I'm excited. I'm there. And we had our first conversation in July of last year. And that's when I really came into covenant with 
story for him. Now, I did get upset because he asked me to be a for, uh, forum leader, a BFF session leader, a BFF session leader. And uh, he asked me to talk on Covenant. And I hadn't talked on Covenant in years. And I really didn't want to teach on Covenant because of the space that I was in. But that's what you're going to learn so much about Michael is that Michael hears God. He hears God. I'm telling you, and, and it is it is big to me when people really hear God versus hearing what they've heard about you, what they believe they know about you, or what they want to know about you. That's one of the things I love about Michael is the fact that he hears God. He does not allow you to tell him he's going to hear God and I'm grateful for that I'm grateful for who he is I'm grateful for the vision in his life and tonight I want each and every one of you to open yourself up to receive on tonight and it's easy to open yourself up to receive what he's giving you what you already know so I want everybody to stand up all over the building. No, I'm playing. <laughs> but I want each and every one of us to welcome tonight Michael Weston to the Transformation Center. Good evening, good evening, good evening, everyone. I am excited about tonight, and I believe that each and every one of you will be excited as well as we begin. Michael, how are you tonight? Uh, first of all, I don't like that video because I've had a very emotion-filled day and then that video done did something to me. So if you would have asked me before the video, I would have said I'm great, but I don't know how I feel about the video or you at this moment. So we're going to have to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I well, feel like calling a disciplinary board. Oh, not again. Not again. <laughs> But I told you I had to muster up as much ability to be serious throughout the whole video as possible. And you did it. <laughs> and you did it. Except I for the end. Like, but Yeah, I feel like I've mastered it there. That that was that was pretty good. That was pretty good. Yeah, master's a bit of a stretch, but I got you. I got you. <laughs> that master's a bit of a stretch, though. But listen, we're gonna jump right into the conversation. Uh, we're going to be talking about freedom on tonight. Well, we're going to be talking about freedom throughout the month of March. And I believe freedom is a very important subject. Last month, we talked about framework. So we dealt with our framework so we can be open to hear about freedom. So I guess my first question I would like to ask you about freedom is, what are some common misconceptions about freedom? Um. So... Let me, let me start here, is that freedom is not a feeling. Um, a lot of times we talk about freedom from this aspect of feeling free. Um, as people, we are feeling people, right? We're feeling people. And so oftentimes, um, let me just go here. Oftentimes, when we are presented with something strategic, <laughs> when we're presented with something strategic, we tend to resist it um, because uh, we believe that it negates our feelings. What do I mean by that? Uh, people are resistant, resistant to going to counseling or therapy 
uh, people are resistant to yoga and meditation and things like that, where there's strategy involved because we're feeling people. And we say, you know, you know, I don't want my feelings to be negated. Um, I'm going to take it a step further and say people also don't like to be corrected. Um, and when I say people, I'm talking about me. <laughs> I'm not even I'm talking about me. That's something that I had to deal with myself all day long today is that I did not like to be corrected is because I did not want my feelings to be negated. Mm. So when I talk about what freedom is not, freedom is not a feeling. See, uh, things like uh, meditation, things like uh, counseling and therapy, things like correction are not built to um, negate your feelings or emotions, but actually to equip you to navigate beyond them. Um, uh, uh, the truth is, though, let, let me say this. The truth is that some people don't want to move beyond. Actually, a lot of people don't want to move beyond. Right. Um, and the reason being is the fact that uh, the, that space that they're in, that emotion that they're having is comfortable. And, and I'm not necessarily even talking about good emotions, right? I'm talking about even the emotion of feeling down or feeling sad, feeling depressed. It's comfortable for people. Now, hear this. I did not say that it was convenient. I said that it's comfortable. See, people uh, will stay in a place that's comfortable at the expense of their convenience. They'll say, I don't have to be convenient. I'll be comfortable. How do I know? People say, that's, that's a stretch, right? But how do I know? Because I know people who will stay mad even though they don't want to be mad <laughs> because it's comfortable. So when we talk about freedom, uh, again, we're often thinking about freedom from a space of a convenient emotion or convenient feeling, right? Such as happiness or excitement that makes us feel free, right? But freedom, freedom is none of those things. Uh, I'm not implying that you won't be excited. I'm not implying that you won't be happy. I'm not implying that, uh, you won't feel these convenient emotions. But what I am getting at is the fact that when we're talking about freedom, freedom is not emotional. Freedom is relational. Uh, how do I know that? I know that freedom is relational because let me just go to a scripture. Let me do that. That ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. What, Mike, what in that is relational? You shall know the truth. Uh, whenever you see that word know, we think about knowledge. No, that word know is, is talking about intimacy. It's talking about a particular level of intimacy where you are now coming into this relational intimate space with truth and then truth makes you free. Not truth that makes you free, really, but knowing truth, the intimacy with truth that makes you free. Because there's a lot of people who know truths, but are not intimate with truth. 
And so when I say when we talk about misconceptions about uh, freedom, the biggest one is that freedom is a feeling and that is emotional when in reality, freedom is relational. You said so much in all of that, but I, I really want to stay with that freedom is relational. Freedom is yeah. relational. Now, why do you think that we have such a struggle when it comes to freedom being relational? Do you think that there, that there's a, a much deeper issue there as it relates to being relational? Or what is it that you believe that that's where that struggle comes in? <laughs> well, let me throw you this conundrum that most people don't know how to be relational because they're too emotional. Um, riddle me this. Why is the divorce rate as high as it is? Because people are too emotional to be married. <laughs> uh, uh, you say, well, no, because no, Mike, because, you know, marriage is you connecting emotionally with somebody. Absolutely. All kinds of emotions. I'm talking about joy, anger, irritation. Oh, yeah. But see, we have to get to a space in our lives where we understand that being in relationship is not contingent upon or is not dependent upon or is not decided by what you feel. See, the reason why you and I, Doc, are still connected is not because I, I ain't saying stuff to you that's upset you or that's bothered you. That's not why you and I are still connected. It's because we understand relationship not from an emotional space, but we understand relationship from a God space, from a spiritual space. We understand it from the space that transcends our emotions. Our emotions are a function of our bodies, but relationship is a function of our higher consciousness. So then how does one graduate from that? From when, when they've been used to that for so long, how, to, how do they get to that space of embracing a higher consciousness? So I texted this to you, I had to read it for a second because I couldn't remember exactly how it went. I texted to you earlier, that God does not have trauma. I said, uh, uh, there's memory, but there's no trauma. Um, if Elliot was on right now, he would talk about that energy can neither be cre created or destroyed. It can only be transformed. It can only be changed. It can only be transmuted. Um, why is that important? Because when we talk about this word energy, right, I'll put it in terms of what we would probably associate with God. We're talking about spirit, right? So spirit, uh, energy has memory. It's going to remember. But there's no trauma attached to it because trauma is actually an emotional response to a memory. So. God's capacity to love is not limited to experiences. In fact, <laughs> in fact, God can superimpose and supersede the experiences that we have, the traumas that we've experienced. 
again, I'll say it, that uh, uh, that trauma is our response, our emotional response to memories. But God, and I'm, I'm emphasizing this word God right now, God has the ability, God has the ability to supersede and to repair the memory. That's why I wore the shirt tonight. That's why I remind us all the time that at the root of who we are is God. Uh, I say that who you are will inform you. Uh, Elliot says your divine intelligence will inform you. But what I'm trying to get to you is that if we can allow the root of who we are, if we cannot allow our root to reframe, <laughs> to reframe our memories, then we can move beyond them. But the reason why we don't move beyond them is because we're too stuck in that space of expecting freedom to show up as a convenient feeling. As a convenient feeling. <laughs> as a convenient feeling. I told you, I've been, when you sent me that text today, I was just in a space because I, I'm glad that you took the time to bring definition to trauma. Because yeah. a lot of us for years have associated trauma with the memory. We've intertwined them together. We haven't, you know, separated the two of them. And as I was sitting today, I was just beginning to think about it. Like how many people out there, even those that are listening now, have entangled their trauma with the memory? Yeah. Yep. See, um, Today, I was going through scenarios. Let me, let me put it this way. Have you ever remembered something somebody said to you? And you said, I'll never forget that. Yeah. And there's a negative feeling yeah. associated with <laughs> what they said. Yeah. See, the memory is not the problem. How you responded to it is. Mm -hmm. I, and I'm not making light of um, I'm not making light of trauma. Right. Because trauma is an injury. It's a psychological injury. So I'm not making light of it. What I'm saying is, is this is why it's so important for us to be attached and connected to in covenant with the root of us, which is the divine. It's so important for us to operate from the place of the divine, because when the divine supersedes, when the divine supersedes our memory, our traumas and replaces the energy around the memory, that's what we call healing. Mm -hmm. Now, you're talking about how it's important to connect to the root, okay? Yeah. Now, yeah. We, we've heard that talked about a lot. We've said it out of our mouth a lot. How does one actually begin to connect with their root? Have you ever heard a parent tell a kid, you know better? Mm -hmm. Right, you know better. What are they saying to the, the child? You have information beyond your behavior to respond to this differently. See, when people talk about connecting to divinity and stuff, a lot of times they, they're, they're talking about getting into this transcendent, transcendent place, right? Where you're not attached to anything in the earth and you're, and, 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 and I'm not making light of that because I believe that that is a form. But what I'm talking about is much deeper than that. 
I'm talking about there's this thing inside of us, this intuitive, this instinctive thing inside of us that says, nah, my guy. Despite what we're feeling, that says, nah, mm -mm, that ain't it. See, that's the thing that I'm talking about. I'm talking about tapping into greater intelligence than what your mind has. See, our brains, when, when I talk about our minds, I'm not talking about our brains. I'm not talking about our brains when I say our mind. See, our, our brains are only built to regurgitate information. It's built to receive, process, and regurgitate it. That's what trauma is. That's what a trigger is, is that your mind goes through this mental ro uh, uh, Rolodex and says, where can I find a situation like this so that I can respond to this in this moment? Right. See, when I talk about going into your mind, see, it's going to cause you to go beyond the feeling that you're having in that moment. Because it's see, let me say this. See, it's okay to get triggered. Mm -hmm. It's fine to get triggered. But my question is, is in that moment, when you are able to make a decision, what decision are you going to make? Are you going to go with the information that your brain has given you that's regurgitated information? If it's regurgitated, watch this. If it's regurgitated, you've seen it before, you've had it before. And so if you had it before, that means you're not going to yield a different result because it's already been there before. You've already been there. You've already seen this situ situation. You've already seen this response. And so sometimes it's important for us when we get triggered instead of responding, instead of talking. And I'm saying all this because I had to process through this myself today. When we get in those spaces to stop and say, what do I know that's better than this? And so when I talk about connecting to your divinity, it's not this thing that happens once you connect to your divinity and all of a sudden your life is changed. No, case by case, situation by situation, asking yourself, what is the appropriate response in this moment? Because if the, if the appropriate response is going to happen, is not going to come from your brain. If your brain, if you've already had that experience before, it didn't turn out well, you're going to have to go to a greater level of understanding, a greater level of consciousness that says, no, you're going to have to do differently. Let me make it simple for you. If, if uh, uh, every single time somebody says to you, uh, uh, calls you apostle, and, and, and that triggers you in a particular type of way because of your, your previous position of the, being the sitting apostle, huh? <laughs> I'm sorry. No. But, but, but my point is, if that's a trigger for you, right? Uh-huh. Legit, if that's a trigger for you. Right. And so every single time you respond, nah, that ain't me. Nah, that, right? And you respond that way. And every single time that ends up being an argument. Mm -hmm. What about when that's presented to you again and you feel that thing again, instead of going, no, that's not me. What about doing the opposite of what you usually do? You go, yeah, I embrace that. Mm. Again, I told you we are resistant to anything that is strategic because we think it invalidates our feelings. See, we're always as human beings, always trying to validate our feelings. But sometimes you are going to have to feel something other than what is convenient or what feels like freedom in order to actually be free. And, you know, one of the things that I said to you on a phone call a few weeks ago, people talking about, oh, I'm free, I'm free. And they're really referring to feeling free. But I said, how can you call that freedom when you don't even have a reference point for freedom because you've never been it? 
So it's just about responding differently than you would have in the first place. And I like how you talked about it being case by case because a lot of the people that I talk to feel as if I should just feel free in all areas of my life at one particular moment is something catastrophic that happens. But the way that you're breaking it down, it brings it to a reality of, you know, that this is an process, it's an ongoing thing for me. Now, how does one get beyond that as well? How do they get beyond that whole when they've been they've embraced for so long that it ought to be just like that? I looked at my hands and they looked new. I looked at yeah. my feet and they did too. How and then as soon as you walked out yep. of the church, they got yep. old again. Yep. <laughs> um, I was going to ask you a question, and I'm glad you said you asked me that question because it just is perfect leeway. When does God stop being God? So the question is, is that when, since at the root of who we are is God, when should we stop being divine? So how does one, how does one, how does one stay in that place, get beyond that immediate gratification to know in the first place that you are and have always been divine and anything else that tells you otherwise was a lie, which is the thing that's been keeping you from the truth, which is the thing that's been keeping you from intimacy with the truth, which is the thing that's been keeping you from freedom. Right? The law. Say no, say it. Say it right now. Yo, say it. <laughs> no, no. I've been trying so hard not to. <laughs> yeah, but yo, that was, that was it right there. That was it. <laughs> yeah, that that it makes it makes so much sense. Now I want to talk about freedom. I want to go there. Uh because a lot of people get stuck um when it comes to freedom for their own life because I have sins that I just can't seem to give up. Mm, my God. Mm. So let's talk about that. Let's go there. Well, I, I think this is an appropriate time to do altar call. Is there one? Uh, we offer Christ to you. No. Um, <laughs> this is how we deal with that. So let's just say it's wrong. Mm -hmm. Let's just say it's wrong. Let's go there. Because you already know where I am with the conversation about right and wrong anyway. So right, right. let's just say it's wrong. Mm -hmm. You have tried, quote unquote, everything that you know mm -hmm. to change this behavior. But you can't stop it. You can't break this habit. My question to you is how long have you been willing to be uncomfortable and not uncomfortable in the sense of the convenient, the uh, the inconvenient comfort. Where, uh, 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 let me say it this way: How long have you been willing to be inconvenienced in order to get information that you don't already have? People say, "I've done all I've known to do." No, you've done all that you've experienced. They told you to do this. They told you to do that. So you've received this information and your brain said, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But what if you tapped into the higher consciousness and allowed yourself to be freed from that 
simply by getting beyond the feeling, by superseding the feeling. How do you supersede the feeling? Feel it. How do you supersede? People want to supersede feelings by getting out of out of the woods in that feeling. Now, I sat with the feelings that I was feeling today, the stuff that I was dealing with. I sat with it all day. I felt it all day, but I never felt more free in my life. Why? Because I'm clear and I have a relationship with the truth of that situation. So when we talk about people with this stuff, see, I'm not going to even touch on that, on my theology around it. I'm not going to touch on my, my perspective around it. See, all I got to tell you is tap into higher consciousness and it will give you an answer. See, I don't have to t- see the reason why you saw me and you said, yo, that's my pastor. Was because of what was coming out of my mouth, because what was coming out of my mouth was not coming out of my brain. It was coming out of my higher understanding. It was coming out of my higher consciousness. And so when you saw that I was intimate with truth, then you knew stuff. So then so then when you and I are talking, when you and I are talking and I'm saying stuff to you and in the process, even though it may not even feel good in the process, I'm saying it to you, but it's setting you free despite you feeling the way that you feel. The reason why that's happening is because you have availed yourself now to higher information, to higher intel. And when you avail yourself to it, see, the reason why most people don't get free from the stuff that they say they can't let go of or they can't you know, move past, the reason why they don't get free is because they're not open to receive a different level of information. Because what if I came and told you that ain't, that ain't even a problem? But see, you can't receive that because you're still operating from your brain. And the truth of the matter is that most of people who are dealing with that simply need to be told, ain't nothing wrong with it. Now, since you hit the ain't nothing wrong with it, let's go to the ain't nothing wrong with you or ain't nothing wrong with me. Because there's a lot of people that Mm -hmm. feel as if they are, uh, freedom isn't even an option for them because I did this years ago. I did that years ago. I did this yesterday. I did this right before our conversation. Now, we escaped everything else. How do we escape that? Uh, well, first of all, let me say to everybody on here, ain't nothing wrong with you. Nothing. Nothing. Uh, 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 but let me answer the question by saying this much. That... If you did something that is so bad, that is so grotesque, that you can't be free, then God's not real. Right. Right. And I'm not saying that from a religious standpoint. Because what is God? God is that which knows all. So if God could not, if your divinity could not know that that was going to happen before it happened and knew know that you were going to have to live beyond it, then it would not have let you go through that, would not have let you do that. So the answer to your question is, is how do I get beyond that? Know that the fact that you went through it means that it's a part of your assignment. 
I talked to you about this the other day, Doc. I talked to you about this the other day. See, a lot of times, oh, uh, I'm about to, okay. All right, I'm just have to go there. See, I'm having to listen to some theology because there's a song that talks about uh, Jesus sacrificing his life or God sacrificing his son. Let me put it this way. The Bible, the Christian Bible explicitly says that for God so loved the world, because remember, again, his love supersedes the emotion. So he so loved the world, not that he sacrificed, but that he gave his only son. All right, let's take it to, well, Jesus sacrificed uh, the song that Yolanda Adams got uh, real popular from was he sacrificed his life for my liberty. But Jesus said, don't nobody take my life. I lay it down. So Jesus didn't even sacrifice his life. He gave his life. As a matter of fact, he couldn't be God's sacrifice because God didn't need a sacrifice. And he could not he could not sacrifice because him going to the cross. Right. For whatever reasons that we believe he went to the cross, him going to the cross was a part of his assignment. Because he knew coming here, coming to earth, he knew exactly what his assignment was. And see, a lot of us think that the things that we're going through, the things that we've done, the things that we experience, we think that those are mistakes, but really those are your assignment. Because if you did not have that experience, if you did not do that, there was some intimacy with truth that had to happen through those experiences, through those mistakes, right? There was some intimacy that had to happen in those spaces so that you could be who and where you are right now. That wasn't a mistake. That wasn't a mess up. That wasn't a slip up. It was a part of your assignment. And just as Jesus lived after the death of that situation, so can we. So can we. And it's not from a, 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 I'm preaching you the gospel. It's like that whole thing was a metaphor for, yo, you think you mess up so bad. But as a matter of fact, Jesus wasn't God sacrificing. Jesus wasn't sacrificing his, himself. He was really fulfilling his assignment for our sake, not necessarily his death. That was the power of of this whole conversation, this whole metaphor. It wasn't his death that was the power in that. It was the example. It was the example that, yo, you could go to, you could go literally to the depth of hell in your life. You could experience hell. You can give people hell. And regardless of any of that, there is life after it and beyond that. There's freedom after that. As a matter of fact, it's after that stuff that you're your most glorified. See, we're stuck in the emotion of what we did, what we experienced, all that stuff. We're stuck in that, but really we can't get the glory, can't get to the glory of who we are because we caught up in that when we don't realize that that was our assignment to get us to glory. That was the assignment to get us to glory. That was the assignment to get us to glory. And, and, and let me just let me just go ahead and say this. Go ahead. See, go ahead. I don't believe in mistakes. Right. I don't believe in mistakes. I believe that you can do stuff that does not yield the desired result. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I absolutely believe in that. But I don't believe in mistakes because a mistake then implies implies that there's something that needs to be corrected. But if it's a part of your assignment, it's actually being used in. 
is being used in the grand scheme of things. So we have to get out of this mentality that I made a mistake because talking about I made a mistake says to me that something has to be erased. No, that is being used because before you even got here, before you even decided to come to this earth, you had already decided I'm going to go through that. I'm going to do that. Just a provable point about my divinity. And that paradigm shift right there can completely change everything. When you and I, I don't know why I'm getting so excited. Sorry, I'm getting real excited. <laughs> you good, you good. I told you I didn't even want to be on the screen. I told you just go. go you know, no, just go, go ahead. But that paradigm shift cha could change everything in, in one's life when you realize that it was an assignment and it's not that you have just completely messed everything up. You're on your way to being glorified, but you can't get glorified until you embrace the reality of that thing that that just sat there with me. That sat there with me because so many. <laughs> and people about God use my mistakes. God <laughs> use my mistakes. <sighs> Don't we already know that all things are as they should be? Let me say that how the Christian Bible says it: that all things work together. Don't we already know that God is not using mistakes? Our divinity already knew. Before we came here, our divinity already knew what we were going to experience. I, I'm messing up some people's theology right now, Keep their whole going. paradigm. Keep but I have going. to say this. Our divinity, the God at our root, is not confused about, is not confused about, not messed up with the things that we've done that we call mistakes. See, you call it a mistake because you didn't yield the, the desired result. But see, all I would call that is data. Data for what? To prove the point that beyond this seeming mistake, right? That beyond this experience that you uh, as an outside outsider looking in may deem as something that's negative, something that's bad. You're looking at this. You're looking at this and trying to figure out how are they going to navigate this? Well, because uh, uh, the Bible talks about uh, uh, that who he, who he foreknew, he already predestinated. In other words, that before I came here, I already decided where I was going. And so in terms of where I'm going in my life, see, this ain't a hiccup. This is just to prove the point that I'm still going to get there. What was the point of, uh, of disciples going into a ship and there being a storm to prove that the, the instruction to go to the other side was going to happen? So with everything that we experience in life, everything, whether we did it, whether it was done to us, all that stuff, it came to serve as data of our divinity. I, I love that. It came to serve as data of our divinity. Let me stop talking. Uh, uh, yeah, let's move on. Bring yourself back, Doc. I'm yeah. coming back. I'm coming back. <laughs> but I was just letting you go. That's why I told you. I just want everybody to know the only reason I'm on the screen because he asked me to be on the screen. And I, I did. wanted him just to go. I just wanted him to go because there are so many people that are out there that don't believe that freedom is an option for them. They don't even yeah. think that, that they're even either whether worthy of freedom. They've been told every time they get to the point where they feel as if they're breaking free, they do something that contradicts that freedom. So they have to start all over again. You know, the whole mindset, I, I fasted for five days and then I messed up on that six days. So now I got to start all over again. And they need to hear what you're saying in relationship to freedom. So they understand that freedom is available to them. 
And, and I want to read something that I wrote earlier. I asked the question, what would happen if we allowed our root or our divinity to supersede our temporary emotional states? The answer, we would be allowing the memory to be transformed. When we talk about freedom, it's the ability to transform a memory so that we're not ruled by it. See, all trauma is, is us being controlled by the memory, controlled by the narrative of the memory. But when we allow our divinity to supersede it and to superimpose on the memory, the memory is now transformed even in our brains. And now we're no longer ruled by it. And so that next time one of the things that we would be triggered by shows up, we're not because we have been informed by a higher consciousness. <laughs> Come on back, Doc. I just wanted to share that Listen, bit. I was trying to let you just keep going. I nope, mean, I'm not doing it. I said we're gonna do this interview style. Listen, <laughs> I'm telling you, this this is so so good on tonight. So good on tonight. So now, what what is it? I'm I'm here right now. What what are some takeaways that I can apply to my life before the next session? What are some takeaways I can apply? So I want to tap into the next uh, session just a little bit right now. I'm going to uh, talk about uh, two friends of mine. They're twin brothers. One of them, uh, one of them, his name is Jake, and the other one's name is uh, they call him Red. So I'm going to talk about about them. But see, they were products of parental trauma. Um, and so the next session, I'm going to talk about how. Uh, how we get in the middle of other people's trauma, which hinders our freedom and limits relationship. Um, but in terms of that, the reason why I'm bringing that up is because sometimes we talk all this stuff and we say all this stuff, we hear all this stuff, and then we get in a situation, we get in a situation and we don't respond the way that we thought we're going to because we received this information. Um, See, my friend Jake got himself into a situation where um, he was stuck in between two people's trauma, uh, his parents' trauma, and it ended him up in this weird space. Uh, he ended up like stalling in life for quite a while. And the truth of the matter is, is there was one practical principle that he could have utilized in one situation that he got in with his parents that would have transformed his life. And that practical principle was to say no. Uh, and, and I'll talk about saying no to people later, but I'm going to talk now as we walk away from this conversation tonight. One thing that I want you to remember is that you're going to have to learn how to tell yourself no. Um, I talked about your divinity happens one situation at a time. Uh, you're going to have to learn that when you feel triggered, when that feeling arises, right? 
you're going to have to allow yourself to stop and say, nah. Because the moment that you stop and say, no, what you're doing now is availing yourself for that information to be replaced. Let me put it this way. I worked in early childhood and I worked um, uh, at the YMCA as well. And in trainings, they taught us that we don't tell children no without offering them an alternate solution. It's called redirection. So if a child is doing something they're not supposed to do, instead of just saying, stop, Johnny, we'll say, Johnny, how about you? When we get in situations that we feel triggered, when we get in situations where we feel uh, where we feel uh, uh, like we're about to go somewhere that we know we've already regurgitated the information, we've already regurgitated this experience before and know that it doesn't work for us, we have to learn how to say no. Here's the thing. The awesome thing about us saying no to ourselves in that moment is that intuitively, our higher consciousness, our higher divinity, our higher uh, our, our higher intelligence will tell us, will redirect us on how to respond in that moment. See, many of us have been trying to depend on uh, things that we've known to respond to situations. Or, or we say, um, let me just put it, for instance, uh, say we're dealing with uh, a scenario where people are constantly running over us. People are constantly uh, taking advantage of us. And we say, well, this time I'm just not going to do nothing for nobody and I'm just going to shut down. See, no, you've tried that response before and didn't yield the result. So just doing the opposite of what you usually do is not necessarily because there's always a third option. There's a principle. There's a law. Uh, uh, there's a law of the universe that talks about the third option. I'm not going to get on that tonight, but there's a third option. And usually the third option is the one that we can't see in the natural because it exists at a higher plane of, of existence. And so we have to learn in the moments that we feel triggered, in the moments that we feel whatever we're feeling is that we have to allow ourselves to say no and to be redirected. And when you're being redirected, if you don't know how to uh, hear, let me put it this way. If you don't know how to hear your higher consciousness, sometimes when you say no, sometimes you got to call the person who you know can hear the higher consciousness. Uh, you have to call the person who knows how to hear from the divine space, right? So that they can say to you, I hear that, I understand where you are, and this is how you respond to it until you open up a dimension in you that you know intuitively and instinctively how to respond to it. Let me say this. I, I, I said this to uh, my niece, Alicia, on a phone call one time. I said, and I mentioned it on the reform before. I said, has anybody ever said something to you and you and, and in your mind and you may even verbally say, I get that, right? I said, the reason why you get that is because they're not telling you anything new. All they're doing now is opening the dimension of you where that information already was. And so when you're calling somebody who has this divine intelligence, this divine information, when you're calling them, you're not calling them to get anything from them. You're calling them for them to open up a dimension of you that already knows it. Again, at the root of who we are is God. And if at the root of who we are is God and our divinity and God knows all, then we already know it. And the only reason why we're not free is because we don't know it. The reason why we're not liberated is because we don't know it. And so you have to allow that dimension in you 
tonight as I'm talking, there's a dimension in you that was not open, that was prohibiting you from being free in a particular area in your life. But as I'm talking, that area, that dimension of your life is being opened up to you. It's not anything new that you did not know. I'm just now reminding you of what it is that you already knew before you came here. I reminded you that it wasn't a mistake. I reminded you that it wasn't so bad that you can't live beyond. I was reminding you that even though you're feeling this in this moment, even though you're having this experience, there is freedom beyond it because it's possible to have a negative, inconvenient feeling and still be free. Uh, um, uh, We don't have to get caught up. We don't have to get caught up in the feeling of the thing. See, we have to allow ourselves to feel it. See, when we respond to traumas, what we're really trying to do is to interrupt the feeling that it brings about. And so if I respond to this and if I can get this person to understand or if I can supersede this person, if I can shut this person down, if I can shut this situation down, if I can uh, escape this situation, then I can you know, move on past it. But really, your freedom is not in moving past the situation. It's allowing you to sit in the emotion of the moment and allowing your divine intelligence to inform you of how to respond to it. And sometimes that that response is going to be, you're going to feel this for a few days and just sit in it. So uh, practical, practical uh, takeaway. Just say no to yourself in those moments and allow yourself to be divinely inspired, to be divinely uh, uh, informed. Because when you do that, you're now positioning yourself to be free. All right, come back, Doc. Yo, listen. Mm. Listen, listen. It would be over me. <laughs> oh, man. You said uh, so much, but um, you talked about allowing yourself to feel it, but not being caught up in that feeling. Yeah. Because. One of the things I know that I used to be a very literal person. So if I read on the flyer or if I see it and it says freedom over feelings, then my mind is telling me when I, this is how I used to be. My mind tells me that forget about your feelings for your freedom. But I like how you brought it on back with the understanding of, you know, Embrace the reality of your freedoms, of your uh, feelings. Just don't get caught up in those feelings. So let me say this about getting caught up in it. Let me say this. What, what, What do I mean by not getting caught up in it? See, emotions start at the brain and make them their way through your body. Right. Right. They start at your brain, make their way through your body. Let them have the effect on your body, but let them leave your brain. What am I saying? See, when we get mad, when we get hurt, and we start regurgitating information, we sit there mumbling under our breath. She ain't nothing. We sit there and do that. See, the reason why we're doing that is because we didn't allow that information that released from our brain and went to our body to just complete this process. And so what we're really doing is regurgitating information. And every time we got mad now and we're not actually mad at the same thing anymore, we start bringing up other scenarios. See, because you don't stay mad at the same thing for forever because you have that experience. You're triggered. It releases. It goes into your body. And then that's that. 
But the reason why you get mad is because at the same time, simultaneously, there's more information coming up. There's more information coming up. And so it's in those moments. How don't you how do you prevent getting caught up in it? See, in that moment where uh, 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 in the moment where you get mad, right? Uh, you have to then say, okay, I'm mad. I get it. I acknowledge that I'm mad. But also what I'm not about to do is start replaying stuff and trying to connect the dots and all this stuff because we are intelligent. All of us are so intelligent. Our brains are a wonder. Our brains are a wonder. How can, uh, let, let me just put it this way. How can we start a conversation and I start off talking about feelings, right? I talk about feelings. And then some way find myself talking about talking about uh, freedom. Right. It's because our minds are just that complex and complicated. I'm saying that to say this. See, that's the reason why some of us are sitting with narratives in our lives now that are not true, because our brains work so well that they can connect all these different things and say, this is a story. But see. This is the thing that I love about our divine knowing is that our divine knowing doesn't tell us stories. It tells us truth. See, growing up, we weren't allowed to say the word lie. Right. My mom said we, we called it telling stories. Yep. So see, our divine intelligence doesn't tell us stories. It tells us truth. Mm-hmm. Why? So that when that truth comes, have you ever heard of Oh, Lord, here I go. I'm about to do what I do. Have you ever heard the term makeup sex? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Does makeup sex mean that you made up and then you had sex? No. no. See, that's what people thats what people be talking about. See, that's not what makeup sex is. What makeup sex is, Lord, I hope no kids is watching. I'm sorry. Are you telling me that your nieces and nephews be watching? Ooh, makeup whoopee. Um, <laughs> makeup whoopee. Uh, but what it is, is I am going to be intimate with you to get past the feeling that I'm having right now. Right. See, what needs to happen in moments that we're triggered and that we're dealing with emotions is that that's the moment to get intimate with truth of a situation. See, I can look at somebody who done made me so mad, who done pissed me off. My glasses are crooked. Who done pissed me off. And I can say to them in the middle of being pissed off, I love you so much. Because that's the truth in my anger. See, we have to stop getting into a space where we get ruled by the memory and the response to the memory, the emotional response to the memory. Why? Because it's going to make us start saying stuff and responding in ways that we don't, that, that is not the truth. And so every single time you feed your mind something, it believes it every single time. Mm-hmm. And so if you feed your mind a lot, and I'm not talking about you hearing stuff, you know, where you get that information and you process it and then you go, oh, no, I don't need it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you receive it. I'm talking about you store that information. See, every time you feed something to your mind, let me put it this way. Every single time I I eat peanut butter, anybody who's been around me know that I'll sit around eating spoons of peanut butter because I got goals. 
You heard? I got goals. By this time next year, I'm going to be 198. Huh? No, I'm just playing. I'm not trying to be that big. But but my, my point is, my point is, but every time I feed myself the peanut butter, see, I'm doing it so that the protein goes through my system. See, every time you feed yourself something, the protein of that thing, and don't you go off this camera. I felt your spirit a little bit trying to go off this camera. But every every single, every single, every single time we feed that to ourselves, the protein of that thing goes into our bodies. And so what I'm trying to get us to understand about us having an intimate relationship with truth. What is intimacy? It's a penetration of. See, when we get in those situations, we have to allow truth to penetrate the feeling. We have to allow truth to penetrate the lie. Why? So that what's in truth can get in us. Yeah. So that what's in truth can get in us. I really wish I could give this um, this uh, metaphor that I gave Alicia yesterday, uh, the day before yesterday, but I'm not going to do it. I gave Alicia this metaphor talking uh, talking about uh, real and versus fake. But what I'm trying to get y'all to understand is that the narrative that we feed ourselves oftentimes are a lie. They're the fake thing. But truth is the real thing. And truth is what sets you free. So when I'm talking about freedom and I'm talking about freedom over feeling, I'm not talking about getting over your feelings. I'm talking about the truth that can get in the feeling and superseded that can be over the feeling. Because the moment that you allow truth to get over the feeling, you'll be over the feeling. Mm-hmm. And when I tell you I'm calling the disciplinary board after that one, you can call them. You know, this is worth a call because, like I said, it should have been one screen anyway. On today. no, listen, mm-hmm. listen, listen, listen. Here. Oh man, this is. <laughs> <laughs> I now now why exactly didn't you give the metaphor though? Because I was trying, I wanted to hear the metaphor. It is it, it, it's a little bit far. You know, like you talk to me on the phone, mm-hmm. so you know how far my metaphors go. So I'm not gonna give that one tonight. Okay. Amen. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold on to that one. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm gonna hold on to that one because then people gonna really see. The other day, the other day I was talking to Alicia and I said to her, I said, "See, Alicia, you can't give birth to a bird." And out of nowhere, she, here she go cracking up. So I'm, like, I'm sorry. I was trying not to laugh, but I was getting somewhere. <laughs> what I was saying to her, what I was saying to her though, is that you can't give. See, we give birth after our kind. A, ha- a human, a human cannot give birth to a bird because it's not in our DNA. Alicia said, "Let's not talking about my metaphor." I agree, uh, 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 but because the DNA that's in a bird is not in us, and so we can't reproduce that. My point is this: see, whatever in you. Whatever's in you is what you'll reproduce. So if truth is not in you, you continue to reproduce the lie. 
If truth is not in you, you continue to reproduce the lie. And that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about narrative. And I'm talking to myself so heavily right now because the truth of the matter is, is that I have replayed memories in my head and I've allowed them to affect and decide how I'm going to respond to a particular situation. Uh, more, more recently now, see, I've gotten a lot better because sometimes I will get triggered. I will respond inappropriately, but halfway, <laughs> halfway through being triggered and halfway uh, through responding inappropriately, then my divinity kicks in. And then I start spitting out information that I didn't have in my brain before. And it starts transforming me in that moment, starts setting me free in that moment. See, what I'm trying to get us to understand is the reason why we have to have intimacy with the truth that sets us free is because because when we're intimate with it, we'll continue to reproduce freedom. See, uh, we'll co- continue to reproduce freedom, rather. See, here's the thing that I have to say. See, it's possible for you to have freedom in an area of your life, but for you not to be free. Uh, uh, it's possible for that to happen. H- how is that possible? Because, see, things, uh, there are certain things uh, as, uh, as they say, things I used to do, I don't do no more. See, there are certain things that I have, as they would say, uh, my mom would say it this way, probably you have victory over, right? There are certain things that you have victory over. There are certain things that you're free in, right? But then there are other areas that are still there. It's because truth has not penetrated that area. That's what I was talking about, about that dimension of you being open. When truth comes, it goes into your system and it penetrates that wall, that barrier that of that dimension that was there, removes the top off of the well, and it penetrates the well and begins to fill it with the water of truth. Why am I saying that? Because when you allow that to happen, when you get in a space where you allow that wall to be breached, when you allow that door to be opened and you allow truth to be poured into you. See, you don't have to worry about, uh, you don't have to worry about that memory that you have of the, because you can look at it now and go, oh, I know why that happened. See, the reason why most of us are still grappling with traumas and stuff is because we have not yet figured out why it happened to us or why we did it or why we experienced it. But the answer to the question of why it happened, the answer to that is that it was your assignment. But the answer that you really need is not why did it happen, is what was it assigned to do? And you'll never get that assignment. You'll never get the answer about what it was assigned to do until you allow, you allow your divinity to supersede your feelings. I'm done. Man, listen, okay. Listen, listen, listen. We have got our answer tonight. We have truly got our answer tonight. We have got our answer tonight. That's going to lead us to the answer. If you have any other questions, you can email me at admin at the transformation center dot com. That is professional. Because I got a little Gmail that I'll be using. You heard? <laughs> That's professional. I got to step up my game now. But listen, if you have any more questions for Michael, listen, Michael, man, listen. Are you finished first? Are you finished? That's what I want to make sure. You know, there's something that's just like really sitting with me that I want to say before we go. Yeah, go, go, go. Um, No, don't go. Stay with us. Stay with us, Doc. Stay with us. Because I want to speak to you. Okay. Um, so the power of freedom is this, is that 
you no longer have to take liberties. I'm cracking that. The power of, uh, of, of freedom is that you no longer have to take liberties. See, let me say this. Uh, some people think that, for instance, um, I, I've used this uh, analogy before. Uh, you know how you have a dog in the cage all day? Mm -hmm. And then the moment you let the dog out the cage, it starts running crazy, spinning in circles for like no apparent reason. Uh, see, the reason why it's doing that is because it now has the ability to take liberties that it didn't have in the first place. See, a lot of us, we leave that church. We leave that relationship. We leave our parents' house. We leave that job. And then all of a sudden, we start taking liberties that we wouldn't have taken. But stuff that ain't got nothing to do with who we are. See, uh, 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 I can do whatever I want to do. That's the, that's the truth that I live by. I can, I literally can do whatever I want to do. And here's the answer to it. I'm not going to hell for it. Uh -oh. I ain't going to try to get into that and try to riddle uh -oh, y'all back. Hold on, hold on. I'm not going to riddle y'all back tonight. <laughs> but I can do whatever I want to do. Uh huh. But the reason why I don't do whatever I have the liberty to do is because I'm free. See, I am free from the need to have to take that liberty to prove a point because I don't have to prove a point because I'm so intimate with the truth of who I am that that liberty ain't for me. See, you know, I, I tease you. <laughs> I tease you about not eating uh, seafood. And I, and, you know, and uh, uh, somebody, I'm not going to name their name, but somebody that nicknamed you Rabbi. Huh? Huh? Yes, she did. Yes, she did. But, but, but see, but see, that, that was a reality when you were a part of that movement. That was a reality for you. So when you left that, you didn't start going to, going to, uh, the, to Crab Shack. And, uh, and and loading up on uh, crab legs and uh, and, and catfish and uh, shrimp. No, you didn't start doing that because that liberty was not for you. See, that's how I know you're free from it. I don't know somebody's free because they're doing the opposite of what they used to do. I know somebody's free when they have to do it and don't. Mm. See, that's why I get so frustrated with people trying to tell uh, pastors and uh, leaders and all that stuff in, in the religious church trying to how to live their lives. No, you let people decide what freedom is for them. Because, see, if you allow them to, to, to get into a place where they're intimate with truth for themselves, they'll know what to do and what not to do. The problem is you want to dictate it to them because you haven't come to a place of freedom yourself and you're still taking liberty that you shouldn't be. Uh, and, and, and I'm just saying that that some of y'all who have been doing stuff and have been taking uh, acting in ways and responding in ways that are counterproductive to who you are and, you know, not, not part of your character. I want you to stop doing that so that you can be free. Be free. I legit can do 
whatever I want to do. I can legit do it, Doc. I can do whatever I want to do. But it's but there are certain things that are just counterproductive to my assignment, and so I am I'm committed to my assignment because see Jesus legit had the liberty to say no I ain't gonna go to the cross because at the root of who he was was God. So as the divine, as the king, he could have said I'm gonna set this decree forth and I'm not gonna go to the cross. But the reason he did it is that not going there would have been counterproductive. To his assignment, because if he didn't die, then how could he be glorified? <laughs> if he if he didn't die, if he didn't die, how then could it have been proven that he was divine? My point is, if you take those liberties, you're acting against your assignment, and when you act against your assignment, people will never know how divine you are. And not that it's because people need to know that you're divine, but because if, if people know that you're divine, you can say to them, hey, you too, my friend, are divine. So you're actually counteracting them getting to the truth of how divine they are. See, Doc, the reason why you like talking to me is because every time I talk to you and you talk to me, I remind you and you remind me of just how divine the other is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyway, that was what I had to say. Are you sure you're finished? Well, I'm glad you said finished because some people say, are you done? Cakes and pies that people are finished. Um, I'm not finished, but I'll, I'll say the rest of it on the 17th. Okay. You have liberty. I already told you. you have liberty. Well, I don't want to take that liberty. <laughs> no, listen, no, you don't have liberty. You're free. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to take that liberty. Uh, um, let, let me say this. I'm about to do my thing. You already know what I'm about to do. Uh, I'm about to just do this. Let me say this to you openly. Openly. The reason why this is off topic of, let me just say that was my, uh, my uh, reminder tonight. Love y'all. I just need to say this to you, Doc. Um, the reason that I know that you have reached a place of freedom is because every single time I say to you, hey, look at this. Hey, hear this. The next time I see you, you don't look the way you did in that area as you did last time I saw you. Um, I, I'll just do something really simple. Earlier, you uh, made a statement and you used a particular word that I said to you, that I said to you, mm, no, nah, I don't think we need to say that. Right. right. And I can guarantee now because you're free that next time we talk, I'm not going to hear you say that word. And it's, and it's a word and I'm not going to bring the word up because I want to talk about it a little bit later. But, uh, uh, you're not going to bring that word. You're not going to say that word because you have allowed the truth that I brought you to transform it. Uh, let me put, I'll use this example. Uh, you sent me the uh, caption you're going to put on social media. <laughs> uh -huh. And your greeting, right, was grand rising. 
And I said to you, I want to say something to you about good morning. By the time I responded to you, and then a few minutes later, when I got the notification that you had tagged me in a post, I saw a good morning on the post. Right, right, right. You didn't do that because I said that to you. Because there's a whole bunch of stuff that I say to you that uh, that ain't don't call for nothing. Because I say a whole bunch of random stuff to you because you play too much and and then you catch me up in your your old foolishness and then I don't know what happens and I just get out of character because y'all everybody knows how serious I am uh, all the time, all the time. And um, but. But I say stuff to you, and not that you've done what I said, but you've taken the information that I've gotten you. You've allowed it to be poured into that well. You've allowed that dimension of you to be open, and you allowed it in that moment to transform you. Talk about getting up any of the conversation about people wanting that immediate transformation. See, that's a decision. To be transformed is a decision. Absolutely. And see, a person can't be transformed if they are not willing to decide that the information they had prior is no longer serving them. See, the reason why, oh my God, I thought I was done. The reason why we get traumatized by stuff, the reason why we get traumatized by stuff is because we are not willing to accept the fact that Though we had that experience, it was so that greater information could be brought to us. That was the purpose of it. That was the purpose of it. See, the thing that people who are transformers know is that to, in order to be a transformer, you have to constantly be willing to be transformed. Um, one of the things that I like that Carlton Pearson said, Carlton Pearson says that the majority of the dust that we find in our houses scientifically has been proven that most of it is our skin cells. Why am I saying that? Because that had nothing to do with what I just said at all, but it did. Here's why I'm saying it. I'm saying it because, see, Day by day, you are shedding who you've been. And the reason why we're sitting with traumas in our lives is because we're not willing to allow that to be shed. Why? Because it's inconvenient, but it's comfortable. And so if you allow yourself to be both inconvenienced and uncomfortable, you will discover that that trauma has been wanting to be released into the wild for a long time. And there was some information that was wanting to come to you for a long time that you weren't allowing to come to you. And in the moment, it changes. In that moment, it shifts. There are some narratives that I've been carrying around that probably for the last seven, eight years. And today, when I allowed a greater truth to supersede it, I changed. I transformed. So I know that next time I'm presented with the thing that used to traumatize me and that used to trigger me, I'm not going to respond the same way anymore because now I have opened up a dimension in me that knows better. 
And here's the thing. I, t- I say this stuff to you on the phone, and I don't get half as hyped as I do on here. I don't know what it is about being on here that makes you get real hyped. Because I can say this in this tone right here, all this in this tone right here, and be cool. I, I quit. I-, I quit. I'm not going to do this anymore either. I'm being informed higher. Anyway, that was it. That was it. You sure? Positive. So that's the point that you would do your classic mic drop. That's all I'm saying. You know, y'all, he told y'all I'm going to be back on the 17th, but just for that, that he just said, you know, sorry, that was this was it's it. I hope you drop. No, I'm just playing. You. I'm just playing. <laughs> it's the mic drop. But listen, thank you all for joining us on tonight. I'm not even going to say I hope something was said. I already know uh, that something was said that reminded you of who you are. That was the word. Hope was the word. Did I say it again? You, 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 you I'm not going to say I hope, but oh, I'm saying that was the word. That was the word that I wasn't going to mention earlier. Yeah, but that was that the, word. the word. Because I know, I know that what was said is informing us of who we are. So listen, I want us to be back here on the 17th. Make sure that you are sharing the replay with everybody that you know needs to hear this, all right? And that we are applying it to our own life. As I always say, create a great day, walk with purpose, and by all means, execute your vision. Today is a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show, podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your reach online. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch promote and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major platform directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more within minutes of finishing your recording. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners and the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Join over a hundred thousand podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. You'll get a great looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into other websites, detailed analytics to show how people are listening, tools to promote your episodes and more. So start your show today by using the link provided in the show notes. This lets Buzzsprout know we sent you, and it gives you an opportunity to receive a $20 Amazon gift card, as well as it helps support our show.